This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Chris Hornbrook, legendary drummer for bands like Poison the Well, his work with Danny Harrison, and most recently, Greg Pusciato of the Dillinger Escape Plan. I believe I'm saying Greg's last name right. Uh, I don't think I've really ever heard it said, uh, now I think about it. But regardless, that is not who is on this episode. Uh, it is Chris, and I uh, want to send a massive thank you to Dewey Halpus over at the Peer Pleasure Podcast for linking the two of us together. Um, I mean, Poison the Well, if you are a fan of this show, the kinds of guests we have on this show uh, are roughly my age, you know, mid-30s, maybe a little bit older in your 40s and so forth. Um, Poison the Well are just one of those legendarily incredible bands that not only shaped what would become what I guess hardcore could be, can be, um, but just, you know, the massive growth of a band um, and, and challenging not only themselves as musicians, but us as fans into, you know, different sonic territories and so forth. And, and Chris's drumming, you know, on, I mean, honestly, anything that he's done has just been so incredible. Um, I always tend to gravitate toward drums kind of first. They're one of the first things when I listen to a band, it's one of the first things I kind of notice when I'm taking it all in, uh, just kind of, because, I mean, it really steers where a band is going. Um, it is the backbone of a band, and then, you know, it's kind of everything else around it is kind of what I start to notice, and Chris's drumming has just always really been interesting to to pay attention to the nuance, to how he plays for the song, the feel that he has for what he does. Um, I mean, I think he is an incredible drummer that knows how to play a lot of different things, a lot of different styles, but it's always the feel that I think he he brings to what he does uh, and the songs that I think always just take it to another level for me. Um, 
I guess it's kind of the brilliance uh, of art in general, really, is when you're able to do something and you just can't imagine it not being there. Um, this was just a, a really interesting conversation, though, uh, that literally started because of daylight savings time and talking about uh, that and then just moving forward. Uh, it is a very loose, in-the-moment, off-the-cuff conversation. Um, I am going to preface, and I'm, I'm not sorry, but you know, I'm going to apologize to those that I guess maybe are hoping that we talk about classic records like The Opposite of December and so forth. And I'm here to say that that's, that's not what this conversation is about. Um, it really, in the truest of senses, I think, is about the exploration to find oneself in this world. Uh, to find meaning in in our lives. And I know that sounds really heady and big, um, but sometimes those are the, the kind of things that we on podcasts get the opportunity to discuss uh, if the guest is willing to go down those avenues with us. And Chris was one that was just so open to uh, that experience. And, and I'm really grateful for for him being willing to kind of just go on this weird journey with me uh, into just a, a fun, natural conversation. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like anything I say at this point is just going to be rambling on. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Chris Hornbrook of Poison the Well. And I'll talk to you on the other side of it. <laughs> So you want what? Uh, what time zone are you in? We're at Easter. So. Oh, okay, you're about three hours. Yeah, ahead of me. Yep. Yeah, it's still weird how how that works. Uh, just in general, because like, you know, it, like I was just reading something a little bit ago, like daylight savings time and all this kind of stuff, and I was just like, yeah, why do we still do that? Like, I understand like why we used to do it, but I don't understand yeah. why we still do it. We're not all farmers who need to, you know, tend to crops and all kind of things. Yeah, no, 100%, man. I mean, this past uh, daylight savings time completely nuked me out here. Um, it was starting to get dark around 4, 35 o'clock on the West Coast. And it was just, it was really brutal, man. Because by the time it hits 7, 8 o'clock, you feel like it's 10, 11 o'clock at night. And you're starting to get tired. I think they voted, uh, it, I don't know if it's California particularly. Um, well, probably is. But <laughs> they voted to do away with daylight savings time here. And for whatever reason, on the way up, it just never made it past a certain point. Like, it needed to get voted on, a, I guess, a few times. And one of the times, it didn't make it. But I was talking to my girlfriend recently, and she said that apparently now, I don't know if it's U.S.-wide, but in California, they've done away with uh, daylight savings. Isn't it funny how something as, I don't want to say arbitrary, but something as odd as agreeing that, like, yeah, this is dumb. We yeah. have to have it go to a vote so the government can decide if we all think that going an hour ahead or an hour forward is, is not really worth it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it should just be kind of a no-brainer because you're right. I mean, we, we do agriculture on such a large scale that's not completely dependent upon, you know, men getting up early and, and tending to it. We're in a position right now where I think most of, most of it's automated at this point. You probably have a few, you know, a few farmers that oversee it, 
and it's probably that there has to be <coughs> some manual labor, mm-hmm. but nowhere to the degree in which it was why we, you know, implemented daylight savings time. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, it, it's kind of funny when you think about a lot of the things like that. Like, I feel like it would help cut down on, at least here in the states, anyway, sort of the like jet lag and shit like that because it's like oh i i, I lose i gain three hours when i go out to like the west coast and then i basically yeah. lose it same with like you know going to chicago you're an hour behind so it's yeah. kind of weird how like just i don't know all these things and you're like why do we do this like what what like you like i said i understand where these things came from but there's just so much thing so many things like a lot of life like as you get older you're like why do we do this this is a very antiquated way of doing something that we don't need to do anymore yeah. No, I, I agree with daylight savings time. I think with the whole, you know, obviously time zone thing, I think it's just when the sun sets because obviously the earth is turning. You well, know, they just con- <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's the fun thing, too, is how people use daylight savings basically as the way to disprove that the earth or the, to prove that the earth is flat. Like, I think that was one of uh, Stefan from Deftones like things is he's like, well, like my friend over in like Australia and I can be looking at the same sun. So how is it that we're in different times but the sun is like, you know, at this things like that. And you're just kind of like one of those. You're like, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I also feel like if you just sat there and listened to yourself, like literally what just came out of your mouth and thought about it for a second, you're yeah. going to be like, well, yeah, because the- <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes like, yeah, I love conspiracy theory stuff like I and if you go down the rabbit hole sometimes and, and people say things like you're kind of like, I mean. I don't know. Maybe there's some there's some validity to that. I mean, I know for a while everyone's like yeah. aliens don't exist, and then basically during the pandemic, at one point, like there was a thing that came out, and they're like, "Yeah, we've we've found stuff," and it seemed to have been largely yeah. ignored. And then it's just kind of like, "All right, well, what else are they like? What else is you know that people are saying is like not factual or whatever?" And then, uh, yeah, potentially they are right. I mean. I think the moon landing is still one that I find to be kind of interesting because I'm like, did we really have the technology back then to, to really pull that off? And I, I just yeah. don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle with all that stuff. Obviously, conspiracy theories, largely, they, they seem kind of out there and kind of crazy, but I'm sure there's a few of them that are real. And I'm sure not all of them are as extreme of like, this didn't happen, this absolutely happened. I feel, I feel like most stuff you could probably swing in the middle. And yeah. and most of it, most of it, like with the space landing stuff, I heard that, you know, that we did go, but they weren't able to take proper photos. Yeah. So they fake they fake the photos. Now that to me, whether it's true or not, who knows? But if that actually turned out to be true, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest bit. Be like, yeah, well, we needed, you know, we needed photos because we're having a space race with the Soviet Union, and we needed to win. It's, okay. That's the thing about that one, at least, that makes a lot more sense and seems very plausible is, you know, for the sake of national, I don't know if it's nationalism or nationality, basically, but of we're number one, you know, that's always the thing that America's always, yeah. you know, before Trump, you know, we're number one, we did all these things and, you know, we beat everyone and we're the best. And to me, I could totally see there being the thing of when there was kind of the 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 race to get to space and so forth. And obviously the, the issues with uh, some of our foreign, uh, I don't want to say allies and all that kind of stuff, but just kind of the things that were going on that I could totally see. Yes, we were able to get there, but for the sake of appearances and all that kind of stuff, we need to have 
quote unquote concrete proof to show our people to allow them to really, you know, get behind us and to kind of on a global scale, make people realize like, hey, we are this big uh, country that is the best and the baddest and all this kind of stuff. And it's I don't know, it's it's just kind of really weird when you when you start getting into some of these things. and, And like you said. I don't really skew one way or the other where I'm like, oh, this is absolute bullshit or this is absolute truth. I think there's, like anything, you have to kind of assess, kind of weed out the bullshit and then find, like, the nuggets of truth or your own perceptions of truth in it and just kind of be able to uh, do that. But the thing that always amuses me when I listen to, like, when these people come on other podcasts I listen to is they're so – I think they're so used to being shut down and not being able to talk that they just talk – in circles and talk over people that you're kind of like, well, this is why people think you're crazy. Cause like yeah. you can't, <laughs> you're basically blabbering for 40 minutes. And I don't think you've made one concise point at all. You're like, well, it's about this. And then actually nine 11 and the lizard people and all this kind of stuff. You're like, whoa, 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 I'm sorry. You said like 17 different things and none of them actually line up. Like, can you please like, <laughs> can we go back and start with one and yeah. kind of work our way through it? But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's very amusing. All these all things. That, all that- all that, all this stuff back to what we're talking about before with the space race and all that stuff. It's about perception being reality. You know, people, a lot of people do uh, governments and and um yeah. And then what you were saying in terms of like the lizard people, not lizard people, but the conspiracy theory people, uh, they just. They have their views and they just they're not really into having dialectics. They're just into like wanting to prove that they're right. And most people feel that way. Like most people make up their minds about stuff. And it's really, really difficult to change your mind. Usually like you have to go through a very traumatic event that shatters your belief system or your ideas for you to either find a way to sort of cobble it back together and keep going because it's all you know. Or you kind of have to break apart your perception of things and be like, okay, well, I was wrong about this. And like, I have to, I have to change my mind about that stuff, this thing or that thing or whatever, you know? Well, I think the thing that's kind of interesting about that even is, and and I feel like I've learned this a lot from doing this podcast almost for about a little over five years and having like almost 300 conversations with people. I've learned to be more of an active listener And I've also learned that a lot of people when we're having conversations actually are just waiting for their turn to talk. They're not actually listening. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's kind of weird when you start realizing that the more conversations you actually have with people is you're like, oh, it seems like you actually don't want to talk to me. You want to talk at me. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's the difference between like uh, I was saying a dialectic, which is like the exchange of ideas back and forth. And then – just the people just yeah waiting for their turn to talk or just like wanting to shout you down like i don't have time for that sort of stuff in my <laughs> life i don't deal i generally don't deal with people like that i just usually state what i have to state and if somebody's willing to have a back and forth then that's great i'll learn something and then maybe they'll learn something but if you're just talking to somebody and they just want to keep asserting their point like it's kind of pointless you know what i mean it, it, at that point then you're wasting the most valuable thing that i have which is my time you know it's kind of funny you bring that up because like – so I don't necessarily – I have talked about this on the podcast but not really any length necessarily. But I think that's been one of the interesting things for me in getting older and you know experimenting with certain drugs and stuff like that, especially like you know mm-hmm. mushrooms and so forth. Yeah. 
and the little bit of like microdosing on acid I've done, like it was interesting how in my as I've gotten older and doing this and people don't show up or they're late or whatever, I get increasingly irritated because I'm like, like you said, time is the one thing I don't have just an exorbitant amount of at my disposal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when people waste it, I get really upset, especially when we've taken a lot of time to go, we're going to meet at this time. This is when we're going to, you know, all these parameters and so yeah. forth that we've set. Yeah. And then that person basically can't uphold their end of it. And it always gets really frustrating. And I've realized like when I first yeah. did mushrooms for the first time, I became very oddly aware of time uh, and not just time as a construct, but like, you know, the story I've told a couple of times is like, you know, when I was was with two of my friends and they were walking their dogs like in a park we stopped because they had tiny dogs and they couldn't walk the distance we were going and we had yeah. passed an old couple and a runner was in front of us and then ran past us and i just kind of started laughing and they're like what's funny and i was like so i know i'm i know i'm tripping right now like i'm in the peak like i'm at peaking right now but i go so yeah. like we're in the present our present we passed that couple and for a minute, they were in our future. Then they were in our present. Now they're in our past. Yeah. The lady that was running, same thing. But she traversed through two different time times, basically. Yeah. And for only a second were we all together, but we are a part of literally future, past, present for yeah. each other. And I was like, and it's a very weird construct to kind of think about when yeah. you start thinking about it. And same with like when, you know, microdosing on acid a couple years ago, like it was one of those where, again, I just kind of like it feels like everything kind of slows down and you're able to kind of be in the moment. And that's yeah. not something that I think I typically do. But also, while under the influence of some of these other things, I've become aware of like, like I remember taking and I don't know what it is or what it was. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine bought something off of basically through 4chan bought this plant additive uh, from overseas. And if you just so happen to ingest them in, in different uh, mixtures, you would have uh, various uh, things. But basically, it would take you to a peak like within two minutes. And you could keep that peak going as long as you wanted. Uh, so then it becomes a thing of really, and this is the thing I took away from it, but self-control. If you can feel good all the time, at some point you need to realize in that situation of like, I need to to not be at the peak. I need to not be feeling the best that I can and yeah. experience other things. I need to experience the come down and just get off of these things. But it really is a a testament of self-control and if you really have any. Yeah. Um, but it became a thing where I was dating someone and I was starting to hang out with my now wife. And I remember being like, this person that I just met came across town to hang out with me on a random Thursday. I haven't even seen the person I've been dating for over a year and they live five minutes away from me. I haven't seen them in a month and a half. Yeah. Again, going back to time, like I was like, I don't think I want to spend or waste any more of my time to be with someone who clearly doesn't give a fuck about me when yeah. there's this other possibility of something really awesome. Yeah. So I think the drugs for me kind of basically made me go, I'm worth more than what I'm my current situation is I'm going to pursue yeah. this other thing and see what happens. And now I've been with my, my wife married for almost six years now and been together for about 11 and a half. So it's one of those awesome. where it's like, sometimes like these things when people are like, Oh, it's drugs and you're just getting fucked up. It's like, no, if you treat them nah. with the respect, I think that they deserve and you don't do them all the time uh, to kind of, I think lessen some of the, uh, what it can teach you. 
I, I yeah. definitely think that it's something I think everyone should experience because I think it teaches you so much more about yourself beyond yourself. Yeah. And even starting uh, having gone through therapy in the last couple of months, um, it's been interesting because even though I wouldn't say that the therapist, at least mine, would maybe advocate like, yeah, go ahead and take shrooms and, and kind of find yourself and explore. I mm -hmm. think because I've had those experiences and then when my therapist is kind of basically unlocking things for me where I go, oh, shit, I never thought of that. Perspective yeah. has been changed, and I think it's allowed me to really kind of take a lot of things from all of my experiences and just make better life decisions and make be more informed as a whole, I think, or yeah. more receptive to be informed, I think. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, man. I, I kind of, I obviously you touched on a lot of things, but I, I totally get that in terms of like going back to what you're saying about time that we constantly live on the, the edge of the past, the present, and the future. And yeah, like what you were talking about in terms of when you were, when you were on shrooms and you were just sort of this realization of, you know, people's different realities and their sense of time all kind of converging and you're existing with people at different points. It's interesting because I, I had an experience where I took shrooms and kind of when it was peaking really hard, I, I interpreted, because I was in Las Vegas at the time with my girlfriend and uh, <laughs> I, I, I was, uh, it was a realization that we're all just kind of like little mini universes, I guess, little mini like planets. I don't know. I don't know how you'd say it, but you, you we're all just kind of converging together and, and existing. And there's these different realities and there's these different like little solar systems that are kind of moving around when you, you know, think about a couple and if they have kids or just a couple or whatever, you know, even just somebody by themselves. Um, and that we're all like, we're all kind of moving along together, converging together across whatever this is, whatever our reality is, whether it's, you know, a simulation or, or there's some sort of merit to what religions have to say or whatever, whatever people's perspectives are, you know, I just found that to be really interesting. And I, I do think that time definitely weaves into that, but I find that when I'm in that particular space, time seems to slow down dramatically. So then I guess that's another question is like, what is time? You know what I mean? Because it's all subjective perspective, right? I mean, we can measure it objectively, I guess. And when you take drugs, it becomes a whole different thing because your mind is being altered. But like, I don't know, you know, it's interesting to think it's interesting to sort of think about that. Out of curiosity, because I know for me, whenever I'm under the influence of whatever I'm taking, like typically I'm very much a, a talker. When mm -hmm. I'm under the influence, I don't talk. I more observe, and I find that to be kind of yeah. interesting. It's almost like a the other side of me. More, I'm more <laughs> a focused person. I'm a flip around. I'm I'm pretty really reserved, and I observe when I'm when I'm sober. Mm. I, I I see what people are doing. I see their their actions. You know, you do the normal thing as a dude. You size people up. You see who's threatening. You just observe your surroundings. Whereas when I'm and say with shrooms, I, I'm more, um, I'm more out. I under, I'm more connected to everything. Whereas I feel like when I'm sober, I'm only connected to myself. But if I take shrooms, then I feel like my mind, my body, my soul are connected. And then I feel like I'm connected to everything else around me. And I, I'm able to perceive more. Uh, I'm able to, to take in more and perceive more as when I'm not, you know, when I'm sober, it's like, you can only see what you're allowed to see, you know, from your, your brain and what you're, you know, how you're conditioned to sort of observe and your, 
your biases and your your all the bullshit that you sort of have it kind of dissolves when the ego dissolves when you do shrooms which i find which i like it always there's always questions that get answered if they go on a really deep shroom uh, uh shroom trip there's always some sort of deep realization that happens like you're sort of saying before about um you know you can't live at the peak or you can't beat the peak of a of a like a shroom experience there's a big realization i had a few weeks ago and I don't know if it was all at once, but I just kind of felt myself like gravitating towards this idea of like, you have to have bad without good. Like humans, we exist in a very binary way, good, bad, you know, uh, man, woman, light, dark. Like we always think of things in two extreme ways. And we, not to say that we don't exist in the middle, but it takes a lot of work to exist sort of in the gray. And what I've sort of understood is that you have to have one with the, the other. One cannot exist without the other. So things can't be bad all the time because at some point you need things to be good and, and vice versa. And it made me realize and accept the fact that like when times are good, it's really appreciate it and really, you know, be like, man, I'm taking this and this is awesome. I should be grateful for what's around me because at some point you're going to have to have the bad. And the bad is obviously relative, right? It could be a friend dies, a parent dies, somebody gets cancer. There's some sort of something going on. You know what I mean? And it's just, once you accept that these things have to happen for life to move forward and for you to exist, then it's like, it's easier to accept. So when those bad times come, you're able to process them and deal with them different uh, in a, in a, in a, in a healthier, better way. If you just accept them. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that was kind of, it's, it's funny. You mentioned, you know, death is kind of being something that we tend to view as a bad thing. Nah. It was kind of funny because uh, when starting therapy, you, you kind of, at least for me, you know, because they need to kind of learn more about you. And what was yeah. funny is it almost feels like a, you know, however long your session is basically just word vomiting, like where you're like, oh, this and then yeah. this and then this. And it doesn't ever feel connected uh, to me. Like I remember, you know, we started talking about something and then it was like, you know, oh, you mentioned this person. You know, what happened with that person? Oh, they died. And then it's like, mm -hmm. as they, we were talking about things, you know, the, my therapist would be like, oh, well, how is that relationship been settled? And I was like, oh, well, that person died. And then, so yeah. they were like, you seem to have experienced a lot of death uh, in your life. And I was like, I guess, yeah. like, I feel like no more than probably anybody else. But like, I think yeah. that's the thing for me is, you know, whereas some would go like, oh, it's very, it's a very negative thing that's probably happened to you. I go. Yeah, but it's made me more aware of my mortality and life in general. So yeah. I'm not promised tomorrow. Neither are any of us. So in that capacity, we should try to have more experiences and not be shitty people and, and to try to get the most out of the life that we have because it's not guaranteed. Um, Gratitude, man. It's all, about, it's all about being grateful for what you have because it's like, yeah, things could be better. You could want more. You can strive to have more, whether it's monetary, whether it's better relationships with your family, your friends, or, you know, you're learning to play guitar, you're learning about this or that, whatever it is, you can always aspire to have more, but it really is humbling to, um, to take a look around and appreciate what you do have because there's millions, if not billions of people that don't even have a fraction of what you have. And it's just, we just get caught up because we're surrounded by people that are somewhat our peers. You know, sometimes people are a bit, a bit higher in the chain and some people are a bit lower in the chain in different ways. And we get caught up in that, but we don't, you know, I'm sure if we, you know, went to some sort of third world country 
and saw what they had to deal with there. I mean, we'd come back home and you'd walk through the door and there would just be this immense amount of gratitude. It's funny you say that I had that kind of epiphany the other day and it was over the most trivial thing. I needed gas in my car. I went, Mm -hmm. I filled up my tank, didn't even think about how much the gas was at that point. I just was like, I need gas and I'm getting it. And I was reminded of a time where I had to make like, shit, I got $47 to last me until I get paid in two weeks. I got to get dog food. I got to get some groceries for myself and I got to get gas. And you're just like, wow, like not even 20 years ago, this would have been a struggle. It would have been a, what can I, how can I make this stretch so I can basically survive quote unquote and yeah. it was kind of weird like i was like i don't know if a lot of people even have that like sometimes you get to a gas pump and you see someone got like eight dollars worth of gas and you're like man fuck i've been there yeah like it's kind of weird when you just notice these little things and they have they give you kind of reminders of things like that yeah perspective man it's always to have perspective it's always to to, to think about it like man you know five years ago i was here now i'm there or the, the sort of the reverse of that where like man five years ago i was way ahead now i'm behind in this particular thing i mean perspective honesty with yourself humility gratitude once you accept all those things in your life and you you know you the human ego is important in the sense that you know we need to kind of keep it in check and it, it allows us to sort of believe in ourselves to be able to survive because that's really the honestly like the meaning of life that's what the meaning of life is is to survive it's that there's um well, actually, I, I take that back. I think I personally think that there's two meanings to life. Mm. There's the objective and there's the subjective. The objective is to survive, right? It's to eat, sleep, procreate, and survive. That's it. But then we've come to a world that's we're just surrounded with abundance. You know, I'm talking to you. You're on the East Coast. We have this, you know, ubiquitous, easy technology that's accessible. <laughs> I'm talking to you on a set of, you know, your phones that are that are wireless, you know, I'm sitting in a house where this thing is being transmitted through the air, you know, and we're able to have this conversation, you know, like we live in such an easy world now that like there's there becomes this, this sort of subjective meaning of life, you know, like my meaning of life is creativity and drumming and, and being the best I can be and working with people I respect and so on and so forth, you know, and, and being able to really build the type of lifestyle that I want from playing that and cultivating healthy relationships family and, and friends and like really aspiring to have really positive things in my that's what my subjective reality my subjective meaning of life is you know so i kind of think that there's there's two and if you're really really lucky you could intertwine those two together and be successful but you know some people only list live in the the objective survival of like i just need to survive that's it and then some people you know live in the, the subjective where they're not really surviving. They're kind of holding on by a thread, but they're, they're living their best life doing whatever they're doing. And it's interesting, you know, it's interesting to really think about things, things like that. Cause you know, everybody's like, what's the meaning of life? Whatever you give it, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, not really. <laughs> Cause there are, there are basic markers that you have to hit. You have to survive. You have to put food in your body. You have to pay a mortgage or a rent. You have, there's, there's basic, there's like the, the basic sort of survival. You have to eat. You know what I mean? Like you have to have sex on a, on a sort of uh, biological level. You know right. what I mean? Like you can't get away from those those feelings. You know, so and it's just interesting to think about think about things like that. Well, I mean, I I think something as you were saying that you know talking about just literally like us being able to do this the way we're doing it currently. Mm-hmm. I think in the last 
well, I mean, I guess it's been, what, 15 <clears throat> months or so, so about a year and a half, roughly, of mm -hmm. us not being able to do things in person and having to rely on the technology we've had, but probably yep. didn't utilize in a, probably the way it was really meant to be as opposed to how we use it. Uh, or yeah. neglected, I should say. And I think that's been kind of the interesting thing for me is like noticing how, you know, because I've been doing this this way, basically the whole pandemic. Um, so yeah. where a lot of people were not getting that one on one interaction with people uh, or even yeah. with strangers, you know, going out to have a common experiences, you know, at restaurants or bars or whatever. Mm -hmm. I realized how fortunate I was to have this and have built it in before the pandemic because, you know, yeah. I would walk away and be like, man, I had a really great conversation with whomever. And yeah. then realize like there's so many people I know personally that are like, I can't see anyone because we're in quarantine or lockdown and can't go out and can't do all these things. Yeah. And it was one of those where, again, kind of gratitude and perspective. I was yeah. happy and thankful that I chose to do this a while ago because it allowed there to be a sense of normalcy for me where there wasn't for so yeah. many people. And I feel like I actually had better engaging conversations with people, I think, because I wasn't maybe – mentally or emotionally tapped out from just bullshit in my like the day-to-day -day world of like going to a job and then like whatever it's like now nah, i have more more of my capabilities to kind of yeah. be active like an active engaged person and i kind of think that's something i'm gonna work on going forward where like if it i don't want to say if it doesn't appease me or whatever but basically just kind of like i have no time for bullshit anymore like if i'm just not into yeah. it i think i'm just not i'm gonna cut it out if it doesn't add value to my life like it's gone yeah uh dude i've i've been on that trip for a little bit now mostly it's been amplified the past year year and a half but yeah it's just like i don't have time to waste on on bullshit man it's just like you know time is of the essence and the the sort of being isolated during the pandemic was definitely a big uh i don't want to say a wake-up call necessarily but it was like a good it was actually wasn't really a bad time for me at all <laughs> i was able to come to a lot of good um points within myself through the the use of psychedelics essentially and having time alone and and like really just kind of isolating myself from people i mean i'm i'm kind of an in introvert as it is but this was really like okay well now you have time to have time by yourself and really think about these things and consider where your life is going and how to, to improve it. And uh, the big realization is that things aren't as complicated as we make them out to be. Like we're the ones are, we are the ones that are making our lives complicated. Things are not complicated at all. Like not to say that life isn't hard. Obviously life has its moments of hard, but we are usually the, the object standing in our own way. Hmm. Nine times out of 10. And that was another big realization is like, you know, get out of your own way. You're standing in your own way. You have bad ideas. Sometimes we have bad ideas that we attach ourselves to. And we're unwilling to sort of look at them and, and, and realize they're bad mental models or they're bad. They were just bad stuff that we were given from our parents or our friends or whatever. And realize that we have the power to, we, within ourselves, we have the power to change them. Now, that's not to say that's not going to take time, that, that it's not going to be challenging at moments, but you know what you at at the end of the day you know what you need to do the answers are always inside of you if you listen to yourself your subconscious if you're listening and your gut will always tell you what you need to do always as you said that it kind of and I'm I'm probably going to ask this in a very shitty way cuz like I'm kind of trying to formulate the question in my head sure properly. sure sure yeah so 
something I, f- I find interesting just about people um, is, you know, you, you were kind of talking a little bit ago, sort of, I guess indirectly it's kind of classism or like the caste mm-hmm. system of like the haves, the haves, nots, you know, all these yep. kind of things and kind of living in a box, a preconceived box based on perceptions of other people or whatever. Yeah. With you being a musician and having been, you know, Chris from Poison the Well or, you know, working with all the bands and, and things you've done over your whole career. Yeah. How have you realized that or how many how many different iterations of you basically have you found there to be from others talking to you or putting what they perceive you to be on and how it seems like maybe you have or would have maybe tried to shed some of that to be like, this is who I am. You think I'm yeah. this person. Here's who I am. Yes, I am Chris yeah. from Poison the Well. Yes, I am Chris who was in you know the Danny Harrison thing. Yes, I've been working with Greg. Yes, I'm a studio musician. Yes, I'm a drummer. Yes, I'm a person. There's all yeah, these yeah. things, but somewhere in the Venn diagram of all that is is mm-hmm. you, who you actually yeah. are. Has it yeah. been hard to balance all of those or to find the real you and be able to present yeah. that to everybody? Um, I don't no, know if that makes really. sense. I'm sorry if that. No, makes sense. I, I, no, no. I totally, I totally understand that what you're getting at. No, honestly, because I'm always, I'm always myself. I'm really comfortable with who I am, and I'm really comfortable with my strengths and my weaknesses because I realize I, I am very capable of correcting my weaknesses. It just takes time. So I'm a very confident, sort of. Uh, aware guy. My big thing is I put up barriers with people because that's just my way of filtering out the riffraff, if you will. Mm. Whether it's you know when when you you know when I was single, when I was dating, you know when I was dating girls, there would be a barrier up because it's just like uncertain of you know are you going to be crazy or are you going to be cool? And same thing with meeting people. It's just like you don't know people's intentions, especially living in Southern California. This place is a massive magnet for. Um, it's a massive magnet for people that are only concerned with themselves hmm. and that they will step on other people to get to where they need to go. And I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I'm, I don't, I don't believe that, that, that is, I don't believe things are a, a zero sum game. And I also believe that like when you're doing well, you could sort of raise, you know, was it all, what all high tide raises term? all ships. Yeah. I don't believe, I mean, obviously there's competition and there's nothing wrong with healthy competition, but I don't really believe in putting people down to elevate myself. I think that's uh, that comes from insecurity, and I think it comes from just a bad perception of things. Um, so, I guess kind of going back to you know what we're talking about, it's like no, because I'm just myself, and either people like me or they don't like me. And if they don't like me, then that's on them. That that has nothing to do with me. As long as I'm honest with myself, and I'm. I know that I, I try to be the best person I can and I try to be as honest like, as I can with people and direct and, you know, I kind of have a, a my own little sort of sort of tenets and codes that I have that I, I do everything within my power not to break because they're important to me because I feel like at the end of the day, like somebody's word, especially as a man, is like clearly the only thing that you have. And if your word is garbage, then you're garbage. Right. So I try to live by a very, very strict personal code that I have for myself. So it's like, okay, well, we're going to do this thing at 1030. At 1030, I was there, you know, and I was like, hey, I'm good to go. You know what I mean? There's not 1035 or 1040. Or if it was that, you know, I'd have hit you up a little earlier and been like, hey, I'm going to be a little late. There's a little hiccup, you know? Absolutely. So I, I feel like that's really important and crucial because then at the end of the day, that only brings good stuff into your life. 
And that only brings, um, that only like when people, people are more willing to help you. And this might be a little bit of a selfish perspective, but people are more willing to help you when you're an asset to whatever their, their causes. And if you're a liability, you're going to get less and less calls to be a drummer, go do this gig, do this tour, play with this person, blah, blah, blah. Or even just a friend. Like if I'm, I'm in a hard place and I need to borrow some money from a friend, they're going to know at the end of the day, oh yeah, he, Chris is going to pay me back. When he says he's going to pay me back, he's going to pay me back. So it, it, it's beneficial to everybody because that person doesn't feel like they're going to lose their money. And if I'm in a hard spot, I get the cash to do what I need to do. And as soon as I get the cash, I give it back to him. And it's just like, you know what I mean? I think it's funny you said that because like very you specifically and a lot of my last like week has been very just circling around each other. So uh, a friend of mine, we just drove down to Atlanta from here in Michigan. Um, Mm -hmm. All nice 12 hours of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a bit of a drive. I've done that before. And uh, so we ended up uh, driving down just the two of us and had a lot of fun. Um, And at one point, you know, I was talking with Dewey, who is the one who set this up between the two of us. And he was like, yeah, man, I think you guys would, you know, have a great conversation. And I was telling my buddy Alfonso this and he was like, he grew up uh, in He's originally from Puerto Rico and then basically Mm -hmm. uh, lived in Miami in like the Hillel area. And so he was telling me all these stories about basically your, you know, Poison the Wells early days playing, um, you know, like at your last uh, place in Miami at Churchill's, I think is what it was called. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then basically like how that place has gone out uh, of business due to obviously what's been going on. Uh, Something I think called the Club Q, I think you said it was like a pool hall or something. That was that was like the that was the spot back in the day when like that was the most consistent spot to have like punk and hardcore shows uh because everything else was like either too big or but that was like the spot that was in the city that i grew up in so it was kind of funny like him kind of reminiscing about him being a young kid trying to like get into bands and so forth like actually being in a band and then going to see you guys and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, as I was kind of thinking about my own relationship with, with, you know, your music and so forth. And, you know, like my wife and I going record shopping one day and she was like, Oh, I just found like the reissue of, uh, the opposite of December and tear from the red and conversations about going to see like you guys and, you know, hardcore shows and stuff like that. And it's just kind of funny to think about how, even though like you and I up until right now, or a few days ago had never met, had never talked, yeah. That we're able to have interesting conversations because of, you know, just the time we grew up and so forth. And, you know, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you just turned 40 uh, very recently. I just, yeah, I turned 40 about a month ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I'm I'm approaching 40. I'm going to be 37 in a couple of months. And it's mm-hmm. one of those that, you know, in my group of friends, you know, a lot of us are talking about getting older. And it's interesting to see just the difference in how we're approaching aging. Like my wife's like, oh, I, j- I hate getting older. And other people yeah. are like, I'm terrified to be this age. And, you know, like yeah. I was telling someone last night, walking the door at the bar, you know, they're like, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I'm this age. And like, oh, you, you know, you're getting close. Da, 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 and so on and so forth. I was like, yeah, man, I can't wait to be 40. Like, I'm ready for 40. I'm ready for all those things. Yeah. And someone was like, why are you like ready to be 40? Like you have more years to go. And I was like, because I feel like you, you once you hit certain milestones within reason, you have to earn it. Like it's one age yeah, is one yeah. of the things you just you have to earn. Like you can't just level up. You can't just be 50 one day. And essentially, yeah. I feel like you have to have grown in some capacity as a person, like especially if you have a good 
life. Uh, you know, as you were kind of saying, what is the objective or subjective of, of being alive in, in our lives? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I have a lot of rich experiences. I have, especially, yep. you know, since being with my wife, getting to travel, getting, you know, having a lot of the same close grouping of friends that I've grown and had experiences with. And to kind of tie up where I was going with the, the financial thing. So the mm-hmm. other day when we were in Atlanta, I was like, I wanted to go to the Hawks game. I wanted to go see a playoff basketball game. Had never seen one. And yeah. I asked my buddy, I was like, hey, like, I know that's the day we tentatively are trying to leave. Can we go to this game? Would you mind going with me? And he goes, yeah, man, I don't have the money to go. I was like, fuck it, dude. I'll, I'll buy your ticket. I want the experience. Yeah. And I want to experience with somebody yeah. else. So fuck yeah. it. Like, I don't care about the money. I don't need you to pay me back. Like, just I want to go experience this. And to me, it's worth paying the money to have you come with me and experience it. And we had a fucking blast. And it's one of those where I've always said friends and family don't keep a tab because, you know, it's going to come back to you in some way, shape or form, whether it's literally the financial or it's some other memory or experience that you get to share with that person. Mm -hmm. Those are sometimes as valuable as a quote unquote monetary, you know amount yeah i mean money is just it's just your time put towards something that creates value that you know gets transferred over to you like i i trust me i like money and i want to make more of it (laughs) but it's not because i want to make more of it because it's the thing that drives me like money is a very like shallow thing like it's cool to have cash don't get me wrong like if you have money you can own like a nice home and have a nice car and have savings away and you could be comfortable and it could facilitate a certain lifestyle that you want. But I, I'm really, I get really like confused when I see, you know, in, it's very pronounced on like, you know, social media and stuff like that. But the people that like, that's, that's the only indicator of like, that's the only thing that they chase. And, and it's the thing that they want everybody to let them know. It's just like, yeah, but like I have things that are just more valuable in my life, like my experiences and my time and 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 my relationships with people and then the the collaborative efforts of working with people. Like to me that's like when I'm old and like all the money is gone and I'm on my deathbed, I'll like look back at all of all of my experiences throughout my life and like those are the things that are going to stay with you. Those are the things that mean way more than money. You know what I mean? And like, like I said, trust me, dude, like I'm all about making cash. I'm all about having money and like being like, cool, like I want to go buy this really nice car. Or like, cool, like I want to do this. Like, well, let's go on this vacation. Like, man, I want to buy this. Like, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that because that's nice. And that's, 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 that's great. And that's awesome. Not shitting on it at all, but it's just not the most important thing to me. It's not even, I wouldn't even, I, it's definitely within the top five, but it's definitely not within the top three or four. You know what I mean? Like it's just it, it's just um it's very vapid. It's very just like it's whatever. You know what I mean? It's like what's more important? It's like having like in my twenties, like with Poison the Well, like we never really made a lot of money. You know what I mean? There was constantly reinvesting or having to put money towards this or that. Like we never really broke per se to where we were making, you know, what certain bands within our genre, you know, that surpassed us. Uh, we're able to make and build a livelihood off of, but like, I look back on those experiences throughout my twenties and I was like, yo, like that's, that's one of the coolest, like, not to say that it's going to be the most important 10 years of my life, but it's definitely, I look back and I'm like, man, like I'm not obviously making money would have been cool, but like, I don't even think about the money. I think about being on tour. I think about the experiences. I think about the friends that I met. I think about the cool recording experiences. I think about all those things and, and like, I'll have those for the rest of my life. 
You know what I mean? Like, even if I had, even if we like made millions of dollars, like it probably would have been gone. You know, I probably would have invested it. I probably would have lost some of it, you know, or you, you, you buy a really nice home and it's just the home and then it becomes your baseline of normality. But you look at those experiences and you just look back and, you know, hopefully you have photos to sort of look at them and think, man, that's really fucking cool. You know, like, man, like who gets to do that? You know, most people are going to college and getting wasted and going and getting like a normal job. And like, I, you know, I went and did this and I had these experiences, you know, it's like, to me, that's more, that's just more valuable. It's just, it, it's more valuable. It's a life lived and it's a life that's more fulfilling. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of it. <laughs> Sort of, this is kind of, again, kind of working through a question that just kind of popped in my head. Yeah. You know, as you were kind of talking about just having the experience of the things and, and kind of sort of reflecting right there on the career, basically, very quickly of, of you know, Poison the Well, mm-hmm. you know, lately before the pandemic and you guys are announcing all these, you know, playing the opposite of December shows and so forth, you know, yeah. like Furnace Fest and whatnot. Sure. Is it interesting to you to have been a part of something that is so widely regarded as like a, a big like statement record and you know a thing that defined a genre or a, a fledgling yeah. scene at the time and now being in my timeline might be wrong because I'm kind of terrible with some of this shit now but it's been like what yeah. 20 years since that came out 2021 okay. it's roughly like yeah it's like the 21 yeah cuz it came out it's about 21 years and a few months or whatever but in December December of this year will be 22 years so how has it been kind of being able to be a part of something? And as you said, it, it, you like never really broke the way that some others in your scene did, but you've had this lasting impact on a scene that's still going, even after, you know, the band kind of had gone away for a while. Like, what is it like to kind of have your memories of the early days and now kind of revisiting it all these decades later and seeing the leg, the impact and legacy that it's left behind it's super cool, man. I mean, it's, it's a weird, there's a, there's like, it's split for me because there's a part, there's one half of me that's really grateful and very appreciative because obviously that record, it changed my life. You know what I mean? Opposite of December changed my life. You know what I mean? I don't know what would have happened with me musically if I, if I wasn't a part of that record. Right. And if it didn't sort of start doing what it did in, in the, the, the hardcore world and whatever, you know? There's a part of me that's like really, really grateful and really humble and just, you know, appreciative of it. But then there's the other part of me that feels very disconnected from it. Mm. Like I look at that record and I'm like, yeah, that well, that was me when I was like 18, 19 years old. That's cool. But that's not me now. Mm. And I feel it. I, I, I very much feel it when I play the songs. I feel it when I have to get ready for those songs because they're of the, the stamina of a, of a 19 year old dude and I'm 40. So it takes a moment to kind of, to put those, to put those shoes back on, so to speak. But I mean, to be quite honest, it feels like a different life. Mm. Like I don't, you know, I don't listen to that record. I don't, when I listen to the songs, yeah, it's it's cool, but it's not what I listen to now. My skill set as a player is like light years away from where I was back then. So it's just weird mixture of feelings of like man i'm really grateful and like that record has, has done a lot for me and has, it contributed to a lot of my life in a lot of positive ways 
but then there's the other part of me that just like it feels like feels like a family member that like you met or you knew when you were like a kid and they disappeared for 20 or 30 years and you're seeing him again and you're connected to them in some way but you don't like you don't know them mm. because it's you're just so far removed from it you know what i mean and that's kind of that's more recently that's kind of more how i've been feeling about poison well in general mm. like I, I i am immensely grateful to have had the experiences i'm still very close to jeff and ryan you know they're like brothers to me and uh but it, there's a part of me that's just like there's a part of me that feels like i need to move on from it like it had its time and its place in my life and i feel like there's a there's a part of me that feels like i'm overstaying something hmm. it's a very in, intuitive gut feeling that's not to say that you know playing shows every once in a while that's cool you know that's always fun and it always allows us to go do things we can make a little bit of money we can have great shows but in terms of like the avenue of making music more so recently like the past you know month or two it feels like it, it really feels like I, I kind of need to let go of it. Like I'm not really interested in making new music with Poison the Well anymore. Maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll change. I don't know. But as of this moment, you know, because I'm, ne- I'm never going to say never because you just never know. Right. But it, it doesn't excite me. It's like it's a point in my life that, you know, allowed me to grow and allowed me to develop the skill sets that I have now that allow me to work with, you know, very, you know, respectable people, uh, creatively, you know, but I don't know if it's something that I'm, I I feel like there's a part of me that feels like it's going backwards. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Well, so it's kind of funny because this, this sort of mirrors a conversation I had a couple years ago with, uh, Corey from blood has been shed Mm -hmm. and talk about a dude that like no one hit. Like I remember doing an interview with Howard and basically Mm -hmm. I just, talked about blood because there is a lot of stuff that like this that was one of the bands that didn't exist when these kind of things happened and they and interviews really weren't a plenty uh so they were kind of in that era where it's like who the fuck knows about this band or what was really going on because they didn't say anything and then they basically went away when uh howard and justin joined kill switch and was one of those things like i remember asking howard questions He's like man that's you gotta ask Corey those questions and then he was like but good luck because he's busier than me and doesn't really he's even less on social media and shit and then through divine intervention whatever the fuck his kid found that interview on youtube was like oh it was really cool hearing you talk so positively about my dad and his music and i go yo i sent Corey a message like years ago on facebook tell your dad to see that message and if he wants to come on love to have him on like yeah. two days later, he, Corey emails me and then we did like a almost two hour long chat, basically just kind of talking about the legacy of blood has been shed, even though a lot of people may not be aware of their their legacy and their impact, basically, of kind of playing a very heavy, chaotic, discordant kind of style of hardcore yeah. or whatever. And, you know, and then I was like, what what happened with that record that you were sitting on that was supposed to be the follow up to your last record? And he goes, Oh, it's like done in various stages and so forth. But he goes, I made the joke back then that I feel like we're like 10 years ahead of what's current. He goes, I don't know, maybe now's the time to put it out because it'll be right where it needs to be. And maybe that was kind of the thing all along is that what we were doing didn't not that it didn't feel creatively fulfilling, but it felt like, you know, you kind of get to a point where like, why are we doing this? Like, it's not 
financially fulfilling and there's a lot of other things I'm having to sacrifice that would possibly be, be more fulfilling to me in my life. Why do this? And I yeah. kind of wonder, as you were saying that and something I, I kind of had talked to you with Corey in an email after our conversation, but it's like mm-hmm. with so many people and this isn't a slight against the band because I, I love Poison the Well's whole discography. Mm-hmm. I love the growth uh, that you guys showed moving forward yeah. at all times. But I feel yeah. like the thing that's got to be hard for you as as a creative and as a as a musician, it's got to be hard to have people look at what you did as a whole and kind of focus it in the very basically the very beginning and always be looking yeah. backwards. Yeah. And so to me, like where you're saying, like I don't know if I want to do a Poison the Well thing. I wonder if it's because tentatively, your most recent experiences with it have been doing older things, not being able yeah. to do something new and putting you into it now where you can yeah. go, man, I love the new stuff we're doing because I get to really showcase everything I've done and, and kind of bring you on this sonic journey with me. Yes. It's, it's always looking back. And I, I could yeah, see I, that being a thing where you're like, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I already did that. Yeah. 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 Very, you're very, I'm, I'm also not, I'm not an, I'm not an ultra nostalgic dude. Like I do have moments where I look back and there's gratitude and, and I think about things, but like, I don't, I don't really live in the past. I, I live in like moving forward. So to a certain degree, I mean, yeah, but there's also, there's the, another part of me where it's like, I'm doing stuff currently that people are, are interested in. Hmm. So I, I, I it, it'd be one thing if like I wasn't really musically active and I wasn't able to put forth me now, but I am in different, in various different ways. And I'm really grateful. Like some people from the sort of the poison wall world, are aware of it and some stuff they're not, you know what I mean? Like working with Danny, he's a great dude, but there's not really a lot of crossover. But then working with Greg, because obviously both our bands were around the same time and had our own sort of impact on music and had toured together. Like there's a lot of people that like Poison Well that will listen to Greg's solo stuff and realize, you know, I'm playing, I'm playing drums with him and that this is, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be like, oh, that's cool. Like where he's at now, you know? So I, I, I feel fortunate to have that outlet and still be working with, you know, artistically credible people and, and still being able to, to sort of do that. Um, but it's not really so much it's it's not so much people in, in, the, in the past with Poison the Wall. It's mostly myself. I just feel like I'm going like, you know, we're going to be playing opposite and stuff like that. And um, I'm having to get my feedback on the shit because I don't really play a lot of double bass anymore. I've, I've transitioned more into like a like a musical feel pocket guy mm. and like the stuff that i play with greg is a lot about feel and my feel for the music and the sort of compositional aspect of it it's not about playing blistering fast double kick stuff so you know my left foot is really really out of shape and it seems like whenever i i'm not doing poison the wall stuff it kind of falls by the wayside you know so it's more stuff like that where it's just like it'd be awesome just to be able to play that stuff and just kind of snap into it. But it's kind of far removed from my current skill set. So it's like it requires months and months of getting stuff back into shape, which is a little like going back to the whole time thing. It's just like, do I really want to dedicate time to that all the time? You know, do I really want to do that? Obviously, it's different. You know, we have two festivals coming up where we're playing opposite and we'll probably play it at a few shows and that's cool. You know, it's not just for one thing. It's for, it's going to be for like several things, which is cool. But, you know, 
I just have a lot to sort of think about, but my gut is kind of telling me it's like, it's time to move forward. Mm. And, uh, you know, not to say that I'm, I'm not the, the, the sort of the idea of writing new, new music has been talked about a lot with us, but it's just, we could never get everybody on the same page. You know, uh, everybody kind of lives in a different state except for Ryan and I, Ryan lives in Los Angeles, but it feels like our energies are focused elsewhere. You know, Ryan's busy with what he's doing. Jeff's busy what he's doing. I'm busy with what I'm doing. Our bass player, Brad's busy with what he's doing. Boys have all worked in the past, mainly from my perspective, because like we made it our priority. Right. And when we, when we wrote a record, we were present during that record the entire time. We dedicated time to get into a room and, and, and write. And then we blocked off time to go and record it. And then we blocked off time to tour. I think it really worked because we were all 100% invested into it. The times that we've kind of went to go do it now, it like, it doesn't feel like it, it feels like people's priorities are in the other place, which is totally fine. But it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like we're all in the same space at the same time. And that might change. My, my, my attitude might change my feeling of feeling like I have to kind of move away from this completely. Cause I never really fully moved away with it from it. You know, doing that might be a healthy thing for me. So maybe one day I can come back to it and my investment is different. My perspective is different, but it's like, I still have that same emotional attachment that I had when I was a 20 year old and it's not healthy to be emotionally attached to something that isn't going to give you back what you need, what you put into it. Yeah. I think that's a very adult and healthy perspective. I feel like a lot of times, unfortunately, I feel like, especially in the the social media world where everyone has access to like all of you uh, at 24 hours a day, basically, um, Mm -hmm. where people will do the things either for a cash grabber or maybe because they're just kind of getting browbeaten into being like, fuck, I I guess we need to do this. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like, and like you said, the, the, I love the fact that you said that. Like throughout your whole career, it worked because you were all present for it. You all wanted to do it. You all wanted to be there and with each other to make these these things, these records, yeah. and perform. But that you collectively are all not there to be a hundred percent involved in it, other than through the commitments you have currently. But yeah. I, I think. I love the fact that you are all, at least you, since I'm speaking to you, are aware of that and can vocalize that. Yeah. Instead of just being like, yeah, I don't really want to do this, but I'm just doing it because I, I guess I have to. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's definitely a little bit of that happening now. But to be fair, I mean, I've also came to a lot of these conclusions pre making these commitments. Mm. And, and with that being said, like, I do enjoy playing live. The moment that shows become stressful and festivals become stressful, whether it's internal tension or, you know, let's be honest, we do this and there, there needs to be a financial reward at the end. Right. As soon as, as soon as those sort of things aren't in line with the, the, the having fun, like I have to have fun. I have to, the, the things within the band have to be healthy and have to be good moving forward. And there has to be, when we're done with this, we have to be able to come home with some money. If those two, if those three things aren't in line at any point, then I'm just not going to do it because I don't have to do it. Right. You know, and, and there is definitely a little bit of, of being committed to it because I did make these commitments. And I'm like, I'm saying like, I don't, I don't want to not do it. 
I'm interested to see how I'll feel about it with a perspective shift because yeah. we did, we committed all to all these festivals and, and to the idea of doing these shows before I had kind of went through my, my little bit of transformation. This was all like pre pandemic stuff that right. we had lined up. And I, I definitely came to a conclusion writing, uh, you know, for sort of, you know, the personal reasons that I said and, and other reasons that are, that are, you know, that are just between me and, and the other people in the band. But, uh, I, I've, I, I feel, I feel quite positive about that in terms of writing, but shows who knows, it's like, I use the analogy of there's a difference of like dating somebody and just casually, like just say having sex with them and then being in love with something. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm making and. I'm making the transition to being in love with somebody and making love to making it more casual and having sex. And that's a very difficult thing to do. I've definitely done it in the past. I know. So I know that I'm capable of doing it. I'm just interesting to see if I can do it with, with poison. The well, that's all. And if I can't, if, like I said, if I show up and it's just doesn't work for me for whatever the reasons that I said, then, then when it comes to, Hey, you have an offer. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not interested. You know what I mean? I uh, unfortunately have a date with my wife uh, in the next probably 10 minutes. We're going to go out and have a, a brunch and all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. I could talk to you so much more. I would love to have you back on and just shoot the shit. Yeah. Uh, if you yeah. are game when you have free time, because uh, yeah, right where you kind of left right there, I'm like, oh, my God, there's there's so much more we can go down right there of being kind of yeah. uh, emotionally connected to something versus physically connected in a romantic sense and just again like i right there i was like ooh, i could really go on for another like 30 40 minutes yeah. on this topic but uh yeah yeah, yeah. You know, kind of speaking to boundaries and knowing you know all these kind of things I'm, I'm trying to find more of a balance of doing this spending time with my wife yeah. and actually carving out time so um yeah, totally gonna put a pin in it for right now uh if cool. where can people find you or anything that you would like to plug online uh i mean just uh, social media i have a few different types of handles because obviously people take whatever you know <laughs> so uh, i just go if people want to get a hold of me in any way just go to uh chris hornbrook.com it has all my all my social handles there like you know records i've played on videos just the, the whole thing is up there so if people want to you know follow me on social media then you know the they can get to me through there awesome well thank you very much for taking the time uh this morning for you this early afternoon for me yeah. uh, and uh very much appreciated for the honesty and openness of uh doing this, which is why I really wanted to talk to you because I know we would have a, a, a fun, yeah. open conversation about just a lot of things. So no, much appreciated. Let's do, yeah, let's do it again down the road, man. I'm totally, I'm totally down. So that was my conversation with Chris Hornbrook. <laughs> that was one where when we were done recording, we talked for a few more minutes and, you know, I, I thanked him for taking the time and, and all that kind of stuff. And we just, you know, had a kind of carried on the conversation a little bit and he's definitely going to come back there was you know right at the very end uh, of what he was talking about i honestly i had to catch myself because i was like oh fuck we could go for another like 30 40 minutes just on that alone um but sometimes i think it's good to know when to kind of cut something off and save it for you know, another part you know it kind of actually really mirrors what i was saying when you know i had taken this substance and basically it takes you to your peak like immediately and you can stay there as long as you want and it's really an exercise in knowing that 
you can't live there forever. Like you can't just be at the best moment forever. That sometimes you have to have the come down. You have to have the opposite things happen uh, to really enjoy. Like, you know, as, as Chris said, you know, kind of the light and the dark, you have to have the good and the bad to appreciate when things are good, to appreciate when things are bad, that it's not always going to be that way. And conversations can be like that as well. Like where sometimes, you know, you need to cut it off and, save something for the next time, you know, and, and I'm really looking forward to having Chris back on uh, down the road and just kind of seeing where that conversation goes. The other thing that I love about more of these kind of spur of the moment conversations that we've been having over the last few months on the podcast is that I, they charge me in a way that like I, I leave my room when I'm done talking to these people and I take forth some of those experiences, some of the parts of the conversation that I had with somebody and then it manifests into other conversations or experiences I have later that day. And it's just wild how if you are able to be in tune with with your own life and just kind of things around you, uh, how that can happen a lot more. How your body will just kind of pick up on some of these frequencies, I guess, that the world's kind of putting out there. And I know this is a very kind of heady episode uh, as a whole, but sometimes, when, like I said in the intro when you get someone that's kind of willing to go down these avenues with you, it's really interesting to just kind of explore that space um, and learn about people and each other and and learn that, you know, you are not alone with these thoughts uh, or these experiences aren't just yours. Um, I think that's kind of the thing as I get older, where we talk about some of, you know, some conspiracy theories and things like that. I don't have as much knowledge as, as maybe somebody else that might be listening to this even, but... I want to kind of talk more about these things and kind of work my way through some of these things with others if they're willing to to kind of get a sense of what is out there. And I think that's kind of the fun thing that I've, I've been doing with this this podcast lately. Um, I also want to say uh, having another really enriching experience because uh, actually when I got done doing this chat, I went down to Kalamazoo to reconnect with an old friend I hadn't seen in probably two years, a former coworker of my wife's and you know, just kind of getting to hear the experiences he has had uh, traveling for his job, being a consultant and um, just all that kind of stuff. It was really great, you know, kind of having a sense of bonding again, just the continuation of, of that uh, sharing of ideas and so forth over a meal. And it was one of those like we, we went to my favorite Chinese restaurant, which unfortunately here in Grand Rapids, we don't have good Chinese food. Um, so we travel an hour back to where I grew up in Kalamazoo and we go to this one Chinese place and there's something about the tea that this place makes and I've always wanted to get it, but I didn't know if like they sold it and I just always forget to ask because uh, usually at the end of the meal, you're like, all right, it's time to get out of here and, and, and go. Um, and so my friend actually had bought me, they sell the tea. It's, it's loose leaf as well, uh, which if you know the show, I've been talking about wanting to get loose leaf tea, but I'm always like paranoid about it a little bit because it just turns into this whole thing of like, oh, you got to buy all these things and it's a process. And, uh, but my buddy bought me the tea cause I, I'll drink like a whole pot while I'm there eating a meal. And I have been loving being able to make this tea, uh, when I'm at home and over the last handful of podcasts, uh, that I've recorded, I'm always drinking it. And it's one of those where it's like, I kind of have refallen back in love with, with tea and, you know, gotten over my fear of making loose leaf tea. Cause it just, it's it, God, there's just so many things you have to do, you know, like it's like coffee, uh, or I mean, even beer, if you get into making beer, like, there's just so many things that you think like, it's just so daunting. I don't even want to get into it. Cause like, I'm afraid of the new experience. Um, 
And I, I just want to say, like, I've really enjoyed having this tea. I actually have a have it right here. Like I said, I'm enjoying the shit out of this. It's just got a, a really nice balanced tea flavor. I want to say it's more in line with a black tea, if I had to guess. Um, but I'm still really new to a lot of this side of things. Um, but I really feel like there's something super inviting uh, about having tea and conversations and stuff like that. And it takes me back to, you know, going to coffee houses and, and, and so forth and just sharing ideas with my friends uh, and getting to know strangers who would become close friends. I know that's a really long-winded thing to kind of talk about this this beverage, but like I said, I've just really been kind of enjoying more of a communal space with people and getting to uh, talk with people about bigger ideas. Um, there's some other things that you know I will share when the time is right. Uh, as you heard last week uh, in the episode with Nathan Mowry, you know I shared a documentary idea that I'm still currently working through. Um, that kind of talks about that, the shared communal experience of, uh, you know, beer, music, art, uh, and all these things. And that's kind of very much what uh, this conversation with Chris was about, too, uh, was just a very interesting experience. So all of that said, this was a really fucking great episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I know I've been blabbing for a little while now. If you would like to keep up with Chris, it's simple enough. ChrisHornbrook.com is your landing page for everything you need to know about Chris. Facebook is Chris Hornbrook. Instagram is Chris Hornbrook Drums. And Twitter is Chris underscore Hornbrook. And uh, yeah, that's the easiest way to keep up with everything he's doing. He has drum videos. Just go to the website. Uh, same with us. BrewSpeakPod.com is the landing page for everything this podcast. Anything you need to know about us is over there. And uh, all of our sponsors are on there as well. Run through those real quick. The Bean Bastard. Head on over to TheBeanBastard.com. Pick up some delicious coffee. Uh, if you're in the Buffalo, New York area, go check them out as well. They have a brick and mortar store, as you heard in the beginning of the episode. On Point Palm, they keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15. Take 15% off your total purchase order. And last but not least is Rockabilia.com. Head on over there, use our code BREW, take 10% off your total purchase order, support all of our sponsors for supporting us, and uh, supporting the podcast again, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're able to do that, greatly helps if you uh, are able to, just word of mouth, sharing the podcast, helps the show grow, uh, very thankful for anyone who does take the time to uh, leave us any feedback or share the episodes, uh, greatly appreciated. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and we will return next week with Marcos from POD. We'll talk to you then.